Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to an interview with Greg Phillips from 2000 Mules. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Thursday, June 16th in the year 2022. Tonight we have a fantastic interview with Greg Phillips, who is the the tech data guy and has organized and runs the team behind the movie 2000 mules he's he really is a expert at what he does and it really shows obviously with the product of 2000 mules and i think you'll find this interview interesting because we get a lot into the concept of data and hopefully you'll learn a lot as well data is a very complex issue and we we don't understand what its potential is and we also don't understand how much work goes in just to make data work together. So there's a lot of discussions around data and what they've done and some, and some uh, foreshadowing of some things to come, which is really pretty powerful. Before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And there's no better way to get a good night's sleep than through great products. And those great products, for the Patriots anyway, come from MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell literally has the best sleep products on the market. And as a Patriot and as a man who walks with Jesus. It is an, an incredible opportunity for us to support an amazing company. And once again, my pillow is under siege. Walmart has now announced that they have deplatformed, if you will. They have kicked out all of his products out of their inventory because Mike has continued to fight for the truth in the election 2020. So with all of that, my pillow continues to be a direct consumer type approach on everything with incredible savings. And those savings are all on the landing page for Bards Nation. You can go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. You can use your promo code Bards and take advantage of the many great products and many great savings that are there. Some of the new products that are out right now are the new My Slippers, which I consider to be an all-terrain four-wheel drive version of the slippers you had before. Take them anywhere, go anywhere. Super comfortable with slip-on and moccasin styles for men and women. Plus, they've got new flip-flops in there as well. So... Take a look at it, mypillow.com forward slash bards. Tremendous savings on the pillows, on the mattresses, on the Giza cotton sheets, which I swear you won't want to live without once you have them. And you get all those great savings using your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. If you want to speak to a real person, you can dial 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. And there is a Patriot Pillow Counselor standing by to get you hooked up. Otherwise, go to the website, take advantage of the great savings, and away you go. All right, so Patriots, you've heard a number of interviews if you've been paying attention around the the uh, kind of the news cycles. Greg Phillips has been around on other channels. I took this opportunity today to kind of dig into another angle on some of this to kind of get more information on the data, the type of science that goes behind all of this, to provide some insight as well as to just what goes on in, in data collection. And if you listen, you'll also get an understanding of just how many apps are actually pulling off the data that gives really precise locations and that kind of opens up a whole nother world of our own personal security. So this is an interesting discussion. Hope you enjoy it. About one hour worth of a great talk with Greg Phillips. I got stopped in the airport the other day. Where was I? I was connected in Dallas and a lady sitting next to me and, her, and she, she, she told her husband, Hey, that's the guy in the movie. And he came over and started talking to me. He was, a, he was a, a, a a Navy uh, a cartologist guy. And, um, we, and we got talking about this, just kind of the, this topic, but, but I, it was so encouraging to say, yeah, when you were talking, I was thinking, is this the way this works? Or could we, could you have done it differently? If you would have, and I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, that, that might be something we could look at. And, and just having those kind of conversations with really thoughtful people that are, you know, not, not just patriots and believers and, and, and people that are, you know, standing up for freedom, but, but just the average Joe who's sitting there, you know, I, like I always say, when I, when I'm making a the stump speech, you know, 
It's like Aaron Lewis has song. People are shaking their heads and saying something ain't right. But if we can take that person and turn them into a, um, you know, a, a knowledge-filled individual that can go out and have these discussions and have these debates with other folks, then we win. Patriots, I'm really honored today to have what I consider to be literally one of the most forward-leaning Patriots we have in our nation right now, Greg Phillips on today, who is the backbone to, as you would know, 2,000 mules. Greg is just absolutely cutting edge in the way that we fight and the challenges that we face. And so, Greg, welcome to the show. Great to have you on, man. Man, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you, Scott. Well, Greg, can you start a little bit, because just to give a little context of yourself, a little background, just so people get to know you a little bit? Sure. Um, I got into what I now call election intelligence back in 1982. I was involved in a guy named Emory Fulmer, a Marine. Uh, Mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, was running against George Wallace in his last run for for, uh, governor of Alabama and uh, went to work for Mayor Fulmer. I mean, just tough as nails. This guy was like repelling out of out of out of, you know, choppers down into down into gangland, like back in 1973 or something like that. And I mean, here in Montgomery, Alabama, it's hilarious. But uh, I learned so much from Mayor Fulmer. I had a great opportunity uh, from there to um, get involved with a lot of amazing patriots. I've, I've been involved in political stuff here in the States, I've done some campaigns, uh, run some super PACs, ran Gingrich's super PAC in 2012. Um, and I've had a great opportunity to work in in uh, 22 countries, 30 some odd races in 22 countries. And they've just been around, around, around a lot of blocks before. And, you know, just have an amazing amount of respect for folks like you that, you know, spent their careers doing this stuff. And, and, um, you know, we, 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 we've seen and done things that, that are, you know, shocking to a lot of people, but, you know, to, to us and like with the stuff with mules, I mean, is as shocking as it was to America, um, you know, I think all of our team was like, yeah, that's pretty cool, but we got some other really cool stuff too, right? Oh, absolutely. What brought you to Mules? I think that's the, it, it's a real interesting story there just to kind of, you bring that together and how you came to work. It was true the vote and how that all came together. Back in 2010, Catherine Engelbrecht, the lady that founded True the Vote, had been targeted by the IRS and in a 24-month period. I think she had 23 separate uh, audits or visits from the FBI, the ATF, the IRS, OSHA, everybody. They were coming, knocking on her business's door and so on and so forth. She, she always says that, that she had never been in court before uh, 2010 and she hasn't been out since. Um, part of that was an out-and-out targeting that the IRS did, did against her and, and, and some of the work that she was doing. Um, and in 2012, I had something similar happen to me after the Gingrich Super PAC, after Gingrich pulled out, we continued to run the Super PAC, and I was making a few changes, and I myself uh, began to be targeted. Um, one of our mutual um, acquaintances, um, a guy named Foster Freeze, uh, introduced us and said, hey, you guys need to know each other. So it was his son, Steve, who actually put the deal together. Um, said, hey, you guys need to know each other. So we started working together off and on. Since then, we've um, we co-founded a healthcare tech company. Um, we've worked together on a variety of fronts, but but her sort of her heart and and her calling is is intellectual integrity. Um, and while I've been in and around this for these 40 years, um, her passion for it all and her passion for citizen engagement is really what brought us uh, back to the fold in 2020 to fight just one more time, as she, as she said. Um, and as the thing wrapped up, and of course, everybody knows what happened after that, uh, we're looking at each other like, what is happening here? So we, we got engaged over in Georgia in, um, in the runoff over there and challenge, helped challenge 364,000 voters. Two days later, Stacey Abrams and Mark Elias sued us. Um, and um, it turns out that uh, we were right on a lot of that. Of those 240 some odd, uh, or 263,000 voters or whatever it was that we challenged, 70,000 voted in November and 45,000 voted in the runoff. And you think about that and you think about those numbers just in Georgia, just in this, the jurisdictions where we were looking and, and it's really startling and, and it caused us to sort of recoil and say, what is happening here? What do we do? 
Um, so Catherine said, look, we're just going to go all in. We're going to figure out what happened. And so we did. Um, she engaged us in a, in a contract to um, take a look at, at um, use some of our signal intelligence work and our geointelligence work. And uh, we started putting together uh, several hypotheses based on some things we'd seen around the country. And um, 15 months later, the movie's done, or 18 months later, the movie's done. And, and here we are now. Um, a lot more people know about the work, but there's still a lot more to be done. Well, Greg, as we talked before, I think a lot of the gap out here for many is just kind of understanding the the space of information and in like you just mentioned, signal intelligence work and geointelligence work. Why don't we start there a little bit and just kind of set a ground a grounding point? Can you talk a little bit about the what those are and the types of categories we're talking about here when we deal with this sort of work that you're doing? Yeah, um, you know, the, uh, some of this is is relatively new in the space. Other parts, you know, stealing people's communications and that kind of thing, been going on for you know since World War II for sure. Um, but really, that's not what what we actually did. And I know the New York Times doesn't like me to say this. And, you know, now Bill Barr even come out and came out and said, well, that's not true. <laughs> that's just I said, you know, it's just it's just silly the way they're looking at it. Back in the old days, you may remember that you would hear people talk about triangulating cell signals. When cell phones first came out, this was a big thing. And it was a boon to forensics and a boon to law enforcement and the DOD and everybody else. If we could triangulate using different cell towers, you know, you could, you, you know, fairly simply and fairly easily look and see about where someone was. You know, there's been some famous stories about people being found in trunks of cars um, that they'd been kidnapped by by triangulation. But that's old school. And that's not what we do. Take a step forward um, and look at some of the GIS capabilities and what's out there now. And there's a uh, um, uh, you know, um, amongst us, it was kind of famous and, and laughable for us. Uh, I think it was the WAPO said that, well, you can, you can see what, what street they're on, but you can't see what side of the street they're on. You know, again, it's laughable. But what they were trying to say was that, was that looking at some GIS type um, capabilities from back in, the, in 2009, 2010, 2011, that, that, that that's about as accurate as the GIS might be. Now, I would argue and say that's false. That's just not true. And I think the DOD proved that time and time and time again, you know, you know dropping, you know, the, while the um, uh, Saddam and whoever was shooting all those Scud missiles, you remember that? Oh, yeah. Those things had nothing, right? I mean, they were just like wiggling all over the place and, you know, crashing and burning, you know, blowing themselves up more often than not. You know, but but we were even at that time being able to to drop precision onto onto a target and and both both accurate um, in an individual explosion or an individual heavy being dropped, but also um, precision in that if we could drop one in one place, then the next few were going to be right there as well. So that was an advancement in this GIS based technology. What none of these people understand is none of that is what we use. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we do. It's I know it's confusing to the haters to to, you know, when somebody says to them, well, you're not right. And they're like, well, yes, we are. We have a, you know, I have a PhD and something that I got in 1963. And OK, well, that means zero right now. On or about, you know, mid 2015, um, apps started um, using um, signal uh, apps started transmitting signals that were stamped with a lat long horizontal elevation and and a, a, the temporal side the time um, and and that was important because it didn't really take um, long for those components to begin to be refined, whether it was through satellite-based technology or how it, and, and the antennas on, on cell phones have improved dramatically. And so what, what began to happen was these SDKs, these software development kits that are built into 360,000 apps are transmitting 
signals, depending on the what app you're on, it might be if it's the weather app, it's transmitting pretty regularly. If it's a gaming app, it transmits, you know, almost in real time, kind of like that Pokemon Go thing. I, I don't play that, but, um, you know, I hear that it's pretty accurate. Um, and, and those signals with those imprints are collected. Today, they are collected. Um, by, as I said, 300,000 apps. Truthfully, there's about 30,000 apps or so, maybe slightly less, that are really precision-based and really have the ability to gather and and, um, transmit those signals. Those signals are then collected by brokers and brokers sell them. Anyone can buy it. They're commercially available. Um, And what it gives one the ability to do is to take a unique device ID, which is on your listeners' phones. We've been telling you go to, like you're typing in a um, phone number on your cell phone, star pound, zero six pound. So type that in like you're typing in a a phone number and it will pull up on your device, some of your device IDs. Those are some of the things that are collected and used um, and imprinted with those individual, as those individual signals come out. Those signals are then gathered, the brokers sell them, people like us buy them, and it gives us a plethora of information. There's all kinds of information that we get from this. And depending on the type of signal, we can get more than just those four key components that I mentioned. Um, There's a lot more information that we can gather. But with that, it allows us to link the who to the when to the where. And because we curate from multiple sources, this is something too that that um, that the mainstream media seems to be vomiting on and can't get their heads on straight about. If if you just buy from one signal, let's say it's Google or one set of signals, let's say it's Google. Google's pretty good. They've got a lot of great stuff. They collect stuff really well. They do a really good job of what they do. Um, but Google's has Google has some limitations. But let's just say for the sake of this discussion that we were going to be like the FBI on January 6th and we were only going to use Google. Well, there's some real flaws in that strategy. And there's some, some um, we believe, some serious pre-production concerns. So as we're, we go and buy, we'll go buy from, say, three sources. Let's say we buy from broker A, broker B, and broker C. The signals might be slightly different from a different set of apps. And they might have um, different levels of risk tolerances within them. But by buying three and then and curating them highly, running them through some sort of pre-production cleanup and algorithms, it prevents us from having to deal with a lot of the outliers on the outside. And so when, when we're able to do that, it, it gives us a clean set of signals that's, that's almost immutable um, and when, when properly analyzed and when, when properly um, uh, categorized and, and, and then passed through whatever form of, of um, analysis we happen to be using at the time, um, it can be extremely accurate, extremely accurate, so much so that you can measure the distance between signals um, and, but in time and then determine you know, velocity, speed, and some other um, interesting characteristics about what's going. In other words, is this person driving? Are they walking? You know, you see that on your phone occasionally. I can't remember. I think it's Apple Maps. Like you can pick whether you're walking or whether you're driving and it will show you what's happening to you as you go, right? And so it, so if you start walking, it's going to convert from driving to walking and it knows that you're doing that. And, and so how do they do that? They measure the distance between the signals. And then, and then it's a simple math calculation from there. So all of that, all of that said, that's what we did. Um, and um, we, we, we did Atlanta, we did, or the Atlanta metro area, we did Phoenix, we did Milwaukee, we did Detroit, we did Philadelphia, we did some other smaller areas around. Since then, we've done uh, Yuma County, Arizona, we've done, um, we've done uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Racine. Uh, we're inching out into some other areas uh, right now that are super interesting to other people. Uh, we're looking at maybe picking up uh, Vegas and Reno uh, from from 2020. And and what what our you know, sort of primary hypotheses led us to was frankly the rejection of some. Right? I mean, you're never going to be exactly right, and so and we're not either. Um, but uh, in 
in all of the iterations that we ran across 18 months, you know, that movie was what an hour long or a couple hours long. I think we were in it for like 50 minutes or something like that. And I, and our data was in it for, you know, just a few, few minutes. But if you think about what two petabytes of data actually is and what it looks like and the video that supports all of that um, and how all that actually comes together, being able to pack all that in with all these, these, this conversation that you and I are having, it's, it's, it should have been in the movie, but for dramatic purposes, it would be way too boring to put in the movie, right? And so I get that, yeah, yeah. And so it's really just a um, um, it's it's been an extraordinary time for us. Um, Eighteen months worth of work. We have a lot more still to go. Uh, we're looking to do some really incredible things coming up here um, in um, in the coming um, in the coming months and. And uh, just really look forward to this. And it's really, I think if Mules did nothing else, Scott, it, it awoke, reawoke America. Um, so much of America is now like, what? Wait, what? So it really was a problem. And while they may not be 100% believing, well, I read some Rasmussen or somebody put out a poll that said something like 70% of all, 77% of all Americans that have seen the movie believe it. That's an extraordinary number. I mean, 77% of Americans don't agree on anything, let alone something as, as technically advanced as the work that we're doing. So, I, I look, if nothing else happened here and, you know, the bad guys disappear me or something, um, I, I think that this will have been work well done and, and uh, America will be better off for the real, not just mules, but the reawakening of all that we did. I fully agree. I'd like to get into data just a little bit more, and that's this we, we talk about the data sets and, and I'm really looking at this as kind of educating people on the way data works, because I know you said you bought from three sources and that also means that their formatting isn't going to be exactly the same. So I'm assuming that you spent a tremendous amount of time standardizing and cleaning the data so that it would function uniformly. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. We spend about, just to put it in perspective, we spend about 80% of our time arranging and cleaning and scrubbing and getting the data ready to go and being sure that, you know, a lot of the outliers are knocked out and, and uh, we do all the things that we need to do to um, our ultimately the, the goal for, or the, the, the order from Catherine was, look, you can't be wrong. And so to do that, you, we had to, to really take extraordinary steps to exclude. And a lot of people have said, well, we hear that you drew circles a hundred feet out. Well, well, yeah, I mean, on some of it, because you want to exclude, right? So if we have millions and millions of cell phones, you don't want to test every single one of them unless they've been inside some circle for a period of time. And it wasn't that, that all of those were included, because the, the reality is, there, even in Atlanta, where we ultimately cut it down to 242 once we got in tight, um, even inside of 100, it was 17,000. Set a hundred a hundred feet, and so it, the again, it's the lack of understanding. It's the lack of awareness uh, that that um, that the media has really started to cram down people's throats. And then you know, idiots like Bill Barr step up. They know nothing about any of this, and they're like, "Well, was, we to, we found out that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation didn't think there was enough information." Well, guess what? The Georgia Bureau of Investigation never saw the data. They wouldn't accept the data. You know why? Because the FBI had the data. So if the FBI had the data and the GBI wouldn't look at it, that doesn't mean that it wasn't true or it wasn't accurate or it wasn't real. It just means that the GBI couldn't figure out how to get the data from the FBI and how to use it. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's so much misinformation out there and and the, the left is doing everything they can do, and the establishment's doing more to kind of confuse it, make it worse. And and then you have you know people like like Bill Barr that a lot of people still like, um, you know, get up and embarrass himself by acting like it's never happened before. Well, my question for 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 Attorney General Barr would be, okay, well, has the bureau ever used this data? Have they used it recently? How much money do they spend on it every year? And it's in the millions, by the way. Um, have they ever spent cash to buy it from an outside source that they didn't want to write a check for? I would ask all of those questions. One of the reasons we're so confident 
is that we ourselves, as I said, have given data to the Bureau. We know how to deliver this data to the appropriate people. But it's not okay for the person who runs the DOJ or who ran the DOJ to come out and say, oh, well, th this just can't be true. Well, well, then why did you use it to arrest all these January 6th people, right? Why did you use it to arrest traffickers and, and bomber and terrorists? And, and why do we use it to drop heavies on the bad guys? Look, the, the, the Ukrainians are... <laughs> the Ukrainians are shooting these tank killers, and there's a reason that they can do this and be so stinking precise, right? I mean, they're dropping these they're dropping these 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 missiles on top of the tank. They're not shooting the tank horizontally across a field. They're, they're shooting this thing two miles up in the air, and it just happens to land right in in. Right where it needs to, where the where the armor is not. It's just not the way this game works. And and uh, for people who think otherwise, it just it's kind of sad, really. I mean, you know, I, I I just hate that that you know, in their zeal to discredit us, they are not just dis discrediting themselves, but they're proving their own ignorance about their own departments that that they were you know paid God knows how much to run. And, um, and, you know, now we know or maybe responsible for screwing up the country. I think there's a lot to that because the technologies obviously have exceeded a lot of the capacity of people's knowledge. And even just the principles like what you're talking about, the distinguishing points between quantitative and qualitative data. Can you get into that a little bit? Because I think that's an important distinction in the, in the types of data that's used in these sort of analysis. Yeah, and and really for us, I mean, while we do, well, we do need information um, uh, that is that is far more broad in in nature um, when we're putting together a hypothesis. When, once we get there, then it really does come down to the data. I mean, we're not we're not making we're not saying that that every one of our hypotheses hypotheses made. We're not saying that at all. I mean, we're, we're saying that the ones that did make were completely supported by this data. And when I say that one person in Atlanta, Georgia, on October uh, October 17th, one person went to 28 drop boxes, five of the stash houses um, in one day across six counties, I say it with the data supporting me. And then the silver bullet is the in the places where there was video. Um, the silver bullet is the video because it, it again it links the who to the when to the where, and and you just can't, you know, you you can refute it to a point, but at some point you begin to look more and more stupid. So everything that we have have um, asserted, um, we can back up. And our view of it is, and we're just civilians, right? And it's a not so bright line that we, we find. Our job, as we see it, is to come as close to that line as we can. We never want to cross it. We never want to go over into law enforcement's work. But, but we gather as much data as we can. We package it as well as we can. And we hand it off to them and say, hey, look, you've got a lot of data here. You go investigate it. This is your job. But for a guy like Bill Barr to say, well, okay, so you gave us data, but it wasn't good enough, or it wasn't enough, or it didn't have enough video. I mean, those are indictments of him because, or them, because they never looked at it. And if you don't look at the data, then the data is no good. I mean, if all you're going to do is listen to the news reports or, you know, some unknown source or whatever, what do they care what our sources are? Why don't they go develop their own sources, do their damn job? and put some, put some bad guys in jail. You mentioned a number earlier, and just I, I made a note of it, 77% of the people that saw the film agreed that there's a problem and believed the film. I think this is profound. One of the things I talk about quite a bit is in, in, there's the insurgency and the counterinsurgency, yep. and the insurgency is actually fairly easy because they basically need a core of about 10% to run an insurgency, right. but the counterinsurgency takes a massive swing because you have to shift the sentiment of the people. That film is in that target of that shift. That's a profound number, 77%. 
Yeah, it's really extraordinary. And we, we, we too use some of those same thoughts. And in fact, when I try to explain to people um, what, what needs to be done and what needs to happen next, we talk about it in the context of a thousand front war. And that thousand front war is really sort of local insurgencies. They all do things a little bit different, whether it's in San Luis, Arizona, or, or Gwinnett County, Georgia, or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It, it, it all may look or feel a tiny bit different, but it's really the same kind of thing. And it's being run by local insurgencies. And so, as you said, well, what, how, do you, how do you counter a thousand insurgencies? Well, one thing you do is you change the narrative, which we have done. And now what we've got to do is we've got to build those counterinsurgencies. We've got to build those local groups that are getting out, getting ready to fire back or fight back or whatever it is they have to do. And it might not be always eyes on that, that box. It might be or might not be. And sometimes it might be, you know, an info op right? An information op. I mean, it might be something that, you know, people need to get out and, and, you know, talk to their neighbors and bring folks together and say, look, when you go down to vote, we've got to do it this way and really start to create um, our, our, these, uh, our own sort of makeshift counterinsurgencies, um, you know, maybe supported by, you know, folks like us, or maybe supported by other Patriot groups around, um, but but we, we, we don't do this at our peril because I promise you the other side is trying to figure out now how to counter the counter. And they're trying, and that's what's happening now. You're seeing we're under all sorts of pressure. We've been, we've been approached by the FBI and everybody else about certain bits of data that we have and they're questioning its origin now. You know, they work with us for 18 months and then all of a sudden they start questioning its origin. And, and you, and you really, um, you know, you just can't make this stuff up, but, but, uh, you know, it's sort of fight or die now. Right. I mean, that's what I was telling somebody the other day, and this is kind of my Alamo, right. I think for all of us that were involved in the movie, um, you know, William Barrett, Travis drew that line in the sand and, and kind of asked people to step across and they all did. Um, and this is us. I mean, this is where we are now. We've all stepped across this line. We know that, you know, uh, as one of my friends recently told me, you know, dude, you may not survive this. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? we changed the narrative and we got this thing moving and now, you know, maybe it's somebody else's time to run, but, but uh, in the meantime, we got to keep going. We got to keep playing offense and we got to keep attacking. And uh, that's what we, we hope these next few months are going to be game changing to that end. The offense piece is huge. And I, what I've found in my experience, especially being involved with the campaign with Trump in 2015, unaffiliated, but was pushing hard for him. Um, is it that the, a lot of the knowledge on the, we will just call it MAGA base, what we call now, was just lacking in how to fight back. So there was this jump that went from zero to I got to get my guns and, and go. And there is such an unbelievable space in between that, between defiance and information warfare and, and organizing. Are you noticing a shift in some of this, especially post-film? Yeah, uh, we are. I mean, the way we look at it is, um, you know, the, the, the left is just better at this than we are. You know, after after Trump won, they all got together in D.C. and in December of 20 in, in December of 2016, like 200 groups got together at Soros's request in D.C. And basically the theme of it was never again. And so what they put in place were all of these little insurgencies, but they also put in place some of the big intel ops. Right. Next thing you know, they're all talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. And that, that consumes everybody up until 2018. And then they do that. And then there's the virus. And, you know, they do all these things. But but. It, it always has this feel of an info op and our side too often gets sucked into it, you know, want to fight about Russia or fight about the, the virus. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying that, that these are their distractions. These are their info ops, their misinformation, their disinformation that they push in because they know that we're going to play defense and say, uh-uh, let's go fight. And, and um, you know, all the while um, now we have an opportunity and, and we're seeing it in, you know, in, in, in amazing numbers, we now have an opportunity to take that next big step here to fire back at them hard. We have a little bit of information. Uh, I've seen information in the last couple of weeks that it's just astounding. Um, we have a, um, 
a huge story to tell that's really going to, I think, move the needle just a little bit further. But if we don't back all these things up with more and more and more offense and keep them responding to us uh, so that they don't have time to do what they're doing, we're going to end up right where we were. The biggest challenge this country has right now that I can just tell you is really not much has changed. Um, the box, many of the boxes in almost every jurisdiction are still going to be there. But more than that, the, the core of all of this, the heart and soul of the cheat is dirty voter rolls. Those dirty voter rolls are in every single state, even the states that cover it up and say, oh, no, we're clean. We're good in Alabama. We're everything's fine here. Um, nonsense. The dirty voter rolls are the problem. And, but if, so if we can get those cleaned up, we're in better shape. But here's the bad news. According to federal law in a federal election, which we have one coming because of the congressmen and senators, the, the voter rolls are essentially locked for, for removing people about 90 days out. Now, they can add all the people they want, but about 90 days out that you can't remove anymore. And we're 45 days away from that right now. Scott, it's scary to us. I mean, so we're, we're constantly, you know, mobilizing and working. That all said, those are the things that scare us. The things that make us happy are, you know, conversations like this with you and your listeners and, and the hundreds of others that we've had and, you know, people stopping us in airports and talking about, uh, talking about mules, but talking about it in their own context. Well, I saw this and I saw that. And, uh, you know, patriots and people from all over the country where they're being the deepest, darkest depth of blue California to, you know, extremely red um, uh, Lee County, Alabama. Um, the, the people are stepping up. I mean, the, the people I sent all my emails for freedom um, and and the people that are standing up and fighting for freedom now are are standing shoulder to shoulder with people they may not know. They may not, you know, they may not look like them, act like them, or really believe in everything they believe in. But what they do believe in is that something's wrong and freedom is at stake and people are starting to stand shoulder to shoulder that never knew each other before. And, and that has to scare the crap out of the other side. I, I think it does. I think we're seeing that. I, the, my concern is in, as we head into 2022 with 2020 not fixed, yeah. we're going into what could just be a repeat. I talk a lot about this on the show, which is that we're being encouraged constantly to just go out and there's going to be this red wave. And I'm like, be cautious about the expectation. Amen. I'm not against voting, but there is a piece where I've really focused in on the local to say, look, you can control your city, your County cause you're there. Right. But if you're going to start having big expectations on state and federal, there's this tremendous amount of rigging. And I don't know that people even have an, an idea just how massive it is. Can you give us kind of a glimpse of, the levels, because you've talked about mules, but there's there's algorithms, there's dirty tricks of the trade. Can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, we're 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 unpacking some of that right now. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we came in contact with um, with with some some folks that that uh, one of the guys is absolutely a genius, um, and he came across something almost what he says accidentally. You know, I'm like I'm like nobody does that by accident. You're just smart as hell, dude, and. Um, he and I uh, have sat down with uh, with Catherine and with some of our other folks, John, David, Harry, some of our other guys, and we started to look at all this stuff and and looking at some of these 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 patterns that are developing in these big states that are that are really significantly blue states or or significantly uh, purple states that are you know that are you know really kind of live in that that middle that middle area. But there are some things that we've seen that just are are inexplicable. I've seen a few of them before because I've seen this operate in other countries. But but some of this is outrageous. Here's what's going to happen with us as far as we're concerned. We're getting together this this group that we're calling the Pit, um, and uh, and I'll just go ahead and tell your listeners that that we tricked Scott into into coming to the Pit. So so he's going to have inside inside info into all of it. Um, but we're gonna we're going to uh, pull everybody together and pull a bunch of just 
not not just people that have a bunch of big followings, but people that, that that really care, right? And that and that their listeners really care, or people that they communicate with really care. We're going to have a few donors there. We're going to create some means to seed some groups and seed some research and seed some of the work that needs to be done out there. And then and then you know lather, rinse, repeat over and over and over again over these next few years. I don't think we're going to kill this this thousand front war um, this go around. Uh, but I bet you we put a big dent in it um, because just because of the prevalence of the mule related stuff and some of the things that we're going to be putting in place and are really going to hammer them. Uh, we're announcing sometime in the next couple of days uh, something called protectamerica.vote uh, where where uh, True the Vote and the sheriff, uh, a couple of the big sheriff's associations have gotten together. Um, and we're going to gather, think of it this way. We're going to gather all this data from, from people, from folks watching, from surveillance, from open source intelligence, from geo intelligence, from signal and stuff, all the things that we can bring together. We're going to package it sitting side by side with these sheriffs and with these local law enforcement folks all over the country. And when we see something rather than wait two years for somebody to develop a movie, uh, we're just going to hand it off. So here you go. Knock yourself out. And uh, that kind of just the sentinel effect uh, uh, with bad guys thinking they might get caught um, is is going to be significant. So we think we can make a dent in the in this thousand front war. Uh, but we've also got to expose some of these algorithms. We've got to expose some of the stuff that's still out there. We have a huge story that we've not yet talked about publicly. Um, we're developing in the final pieces of it. We're having to lawyer up a little bit around it. Um, it involves, you know, it's almost a James Bondy or a, a kind of a kind of a crazy story that, that we just accidentally fell into it. One of our analysts came across some info that led us down a path and led us down somewhere else. Next thing we know, we were working with um, uh, uh, international law enforcement and we were across, you know, borders and we weren't just the acquirers of the info, but we were actually participating in the op. And next thing we know, we're getting we're getting targeted and, and um, um, betrayed by our own people. But the underlying story is so, it's so simple and it's so easy to understand that, that all of the espionage and all of the crazy that went around it and all of the blah, 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 that we're going to be able to tell and really you know, sort of incite people won't mask the simplicity of the, of the cheat and, and, and how it happened is so evident and so clear that, um, that America will, will yet again, take another few steps forward. So we're, we're doing our part to play the offense. There's lots of other people out there that are doing it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm so happy to learn that, that you're, you're spending the time that you do with, with your folks um, educating them. And then people come up with these great ideas. Somebody wrote me yesterday and said, Hey, what if you looked at this? Could you look at it that way? I'm like, actually, yeah, that's a super good idea. We'll add that to our, to our list and we'll start looking at that. Um, and again, whether it makes or not, I, I don't know, but just the fact that citizens are thinking about it and it's not having to come out of one of our brains because uh, we're certainly, we're certainly nothing magic. Um, but, but the, the people of America are, and the time that they're willing to commit to freedom and democracy or the, the republic um, and the, 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 the principles of, of free, fair and legal elections that really make all this work um, and really that really surround the republic um, and 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 sort of keep it away from the bad guys, keep it away from the masses that are just the regular old plain democracies where, you know, the majority rules and, you know, and uh, Bad guys kill good guys, and you know you end up with um, you know really bad situations. America is not that, but it will be if we don't stop what's happening and we don't correct some of the uh, some of the cheat that's coming out of this. And uh, I'm just I'm encouraged every day that we walk around and somebody recognizes us and says, "Hey, what about this?" Or someone calls into a show and has a great idea and people are doing all sorts of cool things. We've been to, we've been to Michigan and we've been to, to Pennsylvania. We've been to Florida. We've been all over the, all over the country and everywhere we go, people are, people are doing their own things. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not like us trying to coax a bunch of people into doing stuff. Folks are, folks are doing their thing and doing it well.
No, I think that's fantastic. I, I do have a question on your on this data and kind of data overlays because the one thing that strikes me is with all the information that you're collating, you have the potential to identify sentiment in voting districts. So as an example, like yep. Philadelphia, I, I ran, I helped run a campaign in Philadelphia. And when you get into the wards, that was one of the things I looked at is there are wards that are very conservative and, and there are other wards that are very controlled by liberal union uh, threat and power. And I'm, I'm just wondering if this is something if you guys have looked at because there's such opportunity to elevate up those areas that are saying being overrun by the noise of this and confusion of this uh, insurgency, especially when we start talking about a thousand front war and being able to target in on key areas that are very strong or at least um, emerging strength in a very pro-American position. That would be a, like that, that would, that would pop out pretty cleanly in a sentiment analysis. Yeah, absolutely. It would. And I encourage you to write that down on a piece of paper and bring that with you when you come to the pit, because one of the things we're going to be showing you is a brand new tool that, um, um, that we've licensed. Um, we've been working on this for the tools been on, around for years, um, our three or four years. Um, we are just starting to use it um, for, to take over some of the, the kind of the hard part about sentiment analysis and those types of things, scoring and, and, you know, and how, how regret, how risk factors into some of the regression techniques that you use. And, and it, it can be complicated, especially when you get into, you know, thousands of, of uh, data elements that might feed any particular score and then whittle it down to the, you know, 15, 20 that really matter. We have a drag and drop capability to do that now that can score precincts, it can score blocks, it can micro-target, we can do census blocks, census tracks. Uh, we can get all the way down to an actual block or a set of houses and, and, um, and, and create a capability to target and micro-target, not just messaging, um, but surveillance and the other types of things that, that are, are critically important, you know, to, to ensuring free and fair elections are, are really just that, free and fair. Uh, but uh, just, just wait till you get to the pit, write that down and remember that I told you that, and then I'll get you up on the stage and, and uh, you, can, you can explain how, how people can use this in real life because it'll blow you away when you see it. No, I'm looking forward to it. That's pretty awesome. So, one of the things that I've noticed, and I mean, it's really, I give so much compliment to all of the followers of Bars FM channel, and it's the need to, one, educate, and then the, and then the ability to have that spread literally organically as people support one another. Have you looked at models in this case of how we can take like the analysis you're doing and bring that down to a granular and local level to where people can start learning and using that to empower their local operations? Yeah, um, we started by, um, again, this this project that Catherine's working on with the sheriffs. So we started with that because the sheriffs not only are, are, are key to all of this in our view, um, but, but are, are going to be important in helping us um, educate local folks and, and really bring people together from across the spectrum. As you're going to hear, there's a video coming out in the next couple of days, so kind of a PSA type thing. Uh, with uh, I've just seen the, the first cut of it today with uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb and, and Catherine talking about this. Sheriff Lamb at one point said it said, says correctly, this is not about Republicans or Democrats, right? This is about the rule of law. And having that kind of um, voice um, out locally and talking at those county levels in the 3,700 counties that are in the United States, if we can get that kind of voice going and that kind of training going and that kind of um, uh, focus on free, fair, and legal elections, then that really gives us, I think, the greatest chance of success. Taking it from there on down, I think it's going to have a lot to do with, with local folks and partnering with their local sheriff or their local law enforcement to say, you know what, we're not okay with this. And and it's and, and uh, Sheriff Lamb was right. This isn't this isn't Republican Democrat. It's not black white. I mean, it's not you know Latino. It's not that. It's people want to, their voice vote to count and they want their voice to be heard. And when they're shouted down and shut out, and their cities are being burned, and and they don't know what to do about it, the one thing they can do is engage in an election integrity package going forward. 
And uh, we hope uh, we hope that at least, you know, for our small part that we're going to be part of that. Uh, but we encourage, you know, everybody to go and sign up with, you know, any any local group you have. There's tons of Patriot groups out there. TrueTheVote.org, you can go sign up and we'll direct you to some places. Um, uh, ProtectAmerica.vote is going to be huge. There's going to be some just enormous um, um, uh, sort of good come out of that 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 uh, partnership between True the Vote and and the association. So we just can't we just can't say enough about this. This is this is an exciting time to be where we are. As as heart wrenching as it's all been, and as painful as it's been to sort of live our way through this, um, the needle is moving. You know, in part because of the movie, in part just because people are just finally coming together and saying enough is enough. I'm not doing this. You know, we had a an election in South Texas yesterday where where a district that has never been Republican, went Republican. Think about that. Never. And it was uh, a, um, a uh, I think the ladies that was elected, I think her dad was, was uh, uh, Mexican and her mom was American. And, um, and now we've got a new congressman coming in and a congressperson coming in and, and uh, she's going to be amazing. She's going to be great. But those are little stories, right? It's one by one by one. It really is a thousand front war. We all have to jump in this thing. We all have to get ready to fight. Do what you can. You might not know a lot, but you know what? I mean, people are stepping up and building spreadsheets and 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 loading uh, or, or asking for open records and and then loading that up onto public sites where people can see what the, what the government's doing and what they're saying. Man, you just add all this stuff up, and we have every reason to be optimistic about where we're going. One question I think that nags on a lot of people is, can the current voting system be resurrected? Or do we just need to scrap it and go back to a paper ballot, say, that's counted with with the sheriff there and then is hand-carried by a sheriff and his deputy up with a receipt, handing it off to a state center point where it's hand-counted again, receipts are exchanged, and it's, I mean, literally that is so simple in its principle, and we've gotten so complex in this digital front, can the digital front be secured enough, Greg? You know, I don't think so. And I don't even think we ought to try, right? If there is something that works out there and I mean, there are other countries that do this and do it well, right? Mexico, I mean, people, you know, might drive Mexico for all the drugs and all the other crap that they pour into this, they pour into this country out of there, but they do it right. Do they have problems? Sure. But you vote on one day, uh, it's all paper-based. You have your ID and it matches your ballot. There's a ballot that matches that ID. And, and if it's not there, then you don't get to vote. If you don't have your ID, you don't get to vote. And, and they don't have any problems. I mean, they determine winners in, in you know, 24 hours. In France, they, return, they, re, they figure out winners in a couple of hours. Why is it all these other places can do this and America can't? Well, I'll tell you, the answer is, of course, that you know, they've got to give themselves room to cheat. America's have been cheating on elections for almost 200 years. Andrew Jackson lost his first race for the presidency because they cheated him. He won the second one because he outcheated them. And this has been a, this has been a tradition in America forever. Um, 1850, heck, by the late 1800s, they started going to glass bowls instead of boxes so that they could see what kind of nonsense was being smashed into these, into these, uh, into these ballot boxes or the, or the glass bowls. Um, you know, and, and, um, and in, 18, in uh, 1960, I mean, I don't think there's anybody around that doesn't think that, that Johnson cheated in Texas um, in 1960 to help win the thing. So this, is, this has been a time-honored tradition, but it doesn't have to be this way. And what we've got now is we have a, a cheat so ingrained and so complex and so, so simple to execute because of the complexity of all of it. And because there's not a sheriff, you know, taking those ballots where they should be going, it's just some dude in a van and there's citizens chasing them in the van and trying to catch up with them and figure out what they're doing and what they're up to and who was in that van. And, you know, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing? This is, this is insane. When you were listing all those countries, I'm just thinking in my head that I was in Afghanistan for the first official vote since we had taken over and it actually worked. <laughs> I was to say it, it was a fingerprint right. and an ID, right? And it's right. Like, wow, you guys did that better than we did. That's amazing, right? Yeah, it's, it is amazing. You know, and I've talked to so many guys that, whether it was Afghanistan or Iraq, you know, guys that provided Overwatch and eyes on for these elections. 
And I mean, they tell amazing, you guys tell amazing stories about all this stuff. And Americans, you know, somehow we, it's okay, we, we just have to accept what's happening here. No, we don't. Let's fight back. Now's the time. I mean, mules help move the needle a little bit, but what's really moving the needle is people are just done. They're done with all this crap. It's time to fight. Let's go. Let's save this country. Well, Greg, what do you guys have coming up? Is, do you have another film or is it just a big release that's, that's coming up? Yeah, we're probably not going to do another film. We're going to do a bunch of little stuff and push a bunch of stories out there that we have that are, you know, three, four, five minute stories. So we've got the pit, we've got the pit coming up. Um, and, um, and we're going to reveal some things at the pit. Uh, we're going to pull the ripcord. By that, we mean we're going to publish as much of this video and data as we've collected and that we, that we can legally push out there um, and uh, just flood, flood the market with all of this and let people see just what, exactly what these fools have done to us. Um, and at the same time, this, uh, this um, uh, fusion center, this acquisition center that we're going to create is going to be phenomenal. People are going to have all sorts of opportunities to, to help and support us, whether it be open source research or just the provision of a video that they see somebody cheating and let us put it together with some other data and information, hand it off to the sheriff. So let's get some actionable um, items moving forward here and create action and let's play offense during this election. And hopefully, um, you know, by, by second week of November, we won't have all the nonsense that went on before and we'll at least have a, you know, a, a clean slate from which to start and, and uh, get ready for 2024. Cause if you think they're not going to do this again in 2024, man, you, you best hide and watch. But, but uh, if we if we put up a good showing and we put up a good fight here, they'll be far less likely to come out and fight us. Well, I think that's the key. And you talked about that early on is the idea of, We've got to get on the offense headset. I mean, this is, you don't go into a fight expecting to lose, and somehow we some, somehow go into a fight expecting to be defense the minute we step into the ring. Yeah, and, and then and then we run a play like the Mules, then we say, okay, well, that, that was our one offensive play. We didn't, we didn't score a touchdown. We, you know, may have gotten a first down or, or not quite, but we give the other team the ball. Yeah. And then we just sit back for, you know, months on end and, and, and let them hammer um, – you know, let them hammer us, uh, and and you know the say that that the the geo work that we did wasn't right or the geo this. What are we doing? Waiting. Let's let, let's keep, let's cram it down their throat. The ripcord is going to cram it down their throat in a way that they're not accustomed to. But right on the heels of that, or or maybe the same day as that, we're going to release a story that is going to make you know people that love freedom and people that love America want to vomit. And, uh, and I think they'll be done once and for all listening to all the nonsense that's coming out of, of, if they do listen to it, coming out of the media or anybody else. Like I said, it's a two-minute story. Uh, it might take us 10 minutes to tell, but it's a two-minute story. And, um, and people are going to be blown away, and they're going to be completely disgusted with their government, with what's happening around the world. And the heart and soul of what this story is is going to make people crazy. They are going to be insanely crazy, especially because our government knows what's happening and they may or may not be stepping up to fix it. Yeah, I think we have a lot of good ideas on where this is headed. It's going to be good. Greg, we always close the, every uh, interview with a prayer. If it's okay with you, we'll do a short prayer. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this blessed meeting and once again for just the courageous efforts that Greg and his team are doing just to continue to elevate truth. As we know, truth literally leads the way in this as the sword of the spirit guides us to unravel that which is hidden and bring it into light and to give us the strength to stand up against this as David did to Goliath. So we please ask him to continue to bless Greg and his team with all they do. We say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Scott, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Greg. I just want to thank you again, Greg. Just the work that you're doing is just fantastic, and it's just been so encouraging to so many. I just hope you have a very blessed day. Thank you. Well, Patriots, that was Greg Phillips, <clears throat> truly one of the great fighters in this fight and a great mind to be able to use data in our favor and as an offensive weapon against them, which is so fantastic. And obviously, as this event occurs, the pit I'll keep you informed, and hopefully we'll be able to keep Bars Nation on the cutting edge 
of a lot of what's going on, especially as we head into this election year. I will, I will be very honest. I've been very skeptical about this election. still am. However, with the efforts of things like Greg Phillips and True the Vote, I'm very encouraged and will really support that as much as I can. I like the fact that, one, they're not partisan, and two, they are not naive. The fact that it is going to take a colossal effort to get past this problem we're in, and also that they, as Greg stated, I mean, there is a fundamental way of doing voting, which does not have anything to do with these machines, and it just gets back to the basics. ID, vote, you only vote if you have an ID. You have to, and that ID needs to prove that you're a citizen of the United States. And if you don't have it, well, then you can try next time. But it's that simple. And I, my personal opinion is that the votes need to be done in paper ballots, as we said, ID in person, one or two days, whatever we determine is the time frame. We need to get past this Tuesday nonsense, probably go to like a Saturday or something. And then once that happens, you need to have the sheriffs on, on hand to literally count, be there in presence when they're counting the votes. Once the votes are counted and by that process hand counted, then we go to a validation with a receipt. The sheriff sends his deputies with a lockbox and those votes and a receipt to the central state location. Each sheriff brings in their county's votes with his team. They ensure that they are properly counted while they stand there. And then the receipts are validated. The counting at the site and the counting receipt that they have in their hand, when those two match, then they can go. And that's the official vote for that county. And I think that's literally how we take this back without any problems. So it, it gets rid of all this nonsense of cloud and algorithms and mules. It just takes it away. You can't do it any other way. And that's been this whole thing. And for those of you that don't know Oregon, I mean, Oregon, I, love, I really enjoy when people tell me I live in, a, in that liberal commie state. I live in a blue state, for indeed, but there's only three counties that would constitute being commie. The rest of this state are constitutional and red. But what Oregon has done, and Oregon has been, been the breeding ground for this infection, thanks to the liberals in Portland and Salem, that we're dealing with now in terms of mail-in voting. So we need to get rid of the mail-in vote and get back to basic ballots, ID and location, have, need to be a citizen, no questions, that's it, end of story. And if you're a groomer, well, you can go to Mexico or something because we don't want you here. All right, patriots, that's it for tonight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We need a lot of prayers for this motion forward. There's a lot of actions happening. This is a just fight and a righteous fight. And we need our prayers to, for God to bring this army up and to find those points where we can have great victories. God is with us and he will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Patriots, we are at war. So occupy the land, expand the kingdom mission forward, and always walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit 
have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 